Good evening, wherever you are. This is the All About Windows Phone Insight podcast. It's number three, and we are recording on Wednesday, the 16th of November, 2011. On auspicious day, it could be the reinvention uh, of Windows Phone. It could be the reinvention of Nokia as well. But what I do know is it's the continuing invention of myself and three wonderfully intelligent guest commentators to look at the world of Windows Phone and quick whistle-stop tour of what's happened in the last week. I'm Ewan Spence. You'll find me at twitter.com slash Ewan. And joining me, we have the informative and always good if you need to uh, fill up a speaker slot for an hour and a half at any conference in the world, Rafe Blanford. Hello, everybody. Rafe, did you notice this week there is an international conference on boredom? Uh I hadn't noticed that, but I'm sure it's fascinating. It is, and I'm bringing that up with no intonation and no implication whatsoever. Uh, We also have uh, in the green corner, uh, David Gilson, a man who has forgotten more about Linux than Google has hieroglyphic strings. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, David. Hello, Ewan. I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but I'm happy to accept it anyway. Which bit was the exaggeration? Uh, But I've forgotten more than... Etc. Etc. Um, I, I still Fentress. have a lot to learn. <laughs> and we also have Steve Litchfield, the man who has forgotten everything, and that's only because Alzheimer's hasn't reached the Web 2.0 scene. Morning, Steve. Good morning. I did like the wonderfully intelligent intro, though. I, I, I like it when people describe me that way. <laughs> As having Alzheimer's. No, wonderfully intelligent. <laughs> Uh, There we go then, Grandpa Simpson's uh, informants can all fit in here. Right then, allaboutwindowsphone.com and three weeks, is it three weeks, Rafe, that we've been public now on the site? Four? Yeah, it's just starting to push on the four-week barrier. Oh, cool. I still have a job, it's still going well? It's it's still going well. I mean, as I keep telling people, it's, it's still early days, but we're getting some good positive feedback, so thank you for all of those who have written in or sent a Twitter comment. It really is appreciated, and we love hearing from you because we are still obviously plotting the direction of the site and there are more things upcoming so you know keep an eye out and we've got lots more content to come as well indeed if there's something about the site you're not quite sure of or the layout's not right or you're you need something to think think something needs a bit more explained or or we want more of that and less of this uh, it's rafe at all about windows phone Com. Right then, uh, the podcast itself got it the usual format as we did last week. Right at the end of the show, we're going to have our application of the week. David, you're going to be singing the introduction to that one, so get ready. Uh, we'll have a feature discussion point coming up in the middle, but first, a little bit at some of the news headlines. Uh, Rafe, I'm going to throw the first one over to you, which is a survey from Accelerator and IDC, which puts Windows Phone firmly in the third place as the choice of developers. Now, is, is this a good thing or is this really good marketing and PR spin from the Windows team? Well, you do sometimes wonder with these analyst surveys, but I think if we just, you know, for the time being, take this as, it, as it's come. And what it's actually saying is that 38% of developers are very interested in developing for Windows Phone. And that's obviously significantly beyond uh, BlackBerry, Symbian, uh, and Migo, which were also sitting in the survey. Obviously, it's still behind OS, I- iOS and Android, but that's kind of what you'd expect given their relative market positions. But I think this can really only be seen as a positive sign for Windows Phone uh, because obviously they do need to build up the developer momentum. I think probably the interesting part of the statistic is that this has increased from previous surveys and 
uh, some of which have had very similar methodology. So I think it's fair to say there's a definitely a, a raising rising interest in the Windows Phone platform from developers, and that's kind of something that Microsoft and all the manufacturers absolutely need to happen. We know how important apps are, and so seeing this come out, I think actually also kind of reinforces what we've been hearing when talking to developers. Uh, I did some of that at Nokia World and some, some recent conferences in London, and a lot of them are saying it's kind of we're going iOS and Android, of course, but we're doing Windows Phone as well because we know that's going to be important. And it seems partly because of the, the Microsoft name attached to it, but also because they're saying with Nokia on board, we know it's going to be an important player. We're not sure how big yet. Um, and a lot of them are also talking about the kind of ease of development, particularly if they're existing Microsoft housing that they're doing development using Microsoft's tools on the desktop or the server or elsewhere and say, you know, there's less need to sort of do training as there has been for Android and iOS. And they're talking about, you know, the familiarities of the tools, but also the language and all that kind of thing. Uh, so, yes, I think it's good news for Windows Phone to say we know how important developers are. And so having a rising tide is always going to be helpful for a platform. Okay, and it's also been a year since Brian and Watson took over that uh, the running the developer experience team for Windows Phone at Microsoft. I have to say he's done a sterling job there. Uh, developers, if you have any major problems, he's put his phone number on his blog, uh, so you can go straight to the top with any issues. Um, good to see. Good yeah. to see that. And clear lines of communications probably the biggest thing that Microsoft has an advantage compared to iOS and Android. Right, moving yes, on with I, the... Oh, no, Rafe's going to come in. Go. I'm, I'm going to just say something, a little exclusive bit of information. I was just checking mm. our app tracking stats this morning, and there are now 40,000 applications in the Windows Phone marketplace. So that's a, a pretty swift increase from the 35,000, which happened just about a month ago. There's so is, a, is that on a region-by-region basis? Some people might not have come across our web directory for apps yet. Uh, this is on a global basis there are actually slight differences if you look at the individual markets and some apps have also been removed from the marketplace over the last year so in terms of active apps available that figures about around about the 35,000 mark uh, for the US and for the UK I believe it's about 32,000 uh, but the growth has been pretty encouraging what I was going to say is it's been pretty rapid in the last four weeks. There's definitely a suggestion that the introduction of Mango and possibly the Nokia device as well has increased the rate at which apps are being added to the marketplace. And that's something that definitely needs to happen because uh, although Windows Phone was kind of ahead of the curve for its first year of growth when you compare it to the first year of Android and iOS, uh, both of those app stores in their second years accelerated rapidly. So Windows Phone will be having to do the same thing to keep up with those comparisons over the next 12 months. Looking at your acceleration chart, can they make 50,000 apps by CES? Uh, yes, they will probably make uh, 50,000 apps by the end of the year, I would guess. It will be, be touch and go? It will be, be touch and go, but yes, I would, have, I would have thought certainly by CES. There we go. Things our webmaster never tells us. Uh, right then, let's uh, keep moving on. Of course, we said it's an auspicious day. Uh, the Nokia Lumia 800 hits the retail in the, let's see, United Kingdom, Spain, France, Germany, Italy, and the Netherlands uh, today. And there's a lot of noise, just as well as from Nokia, but from all of the ecosystem about Nokia phone windows or Nokia phone windows. This is a pretty important day, isn't it, David? It is, um, because here in the UK, the 800 has arrived for retail, um, and it is actually available on the day we're recording this, which is Wednesday the 16th. 
you can get it on a monthly contract from £26 a month or pay as you go for £400 and currently that's only available from free or you can get it SIM free from Cafe and Warehouse um, for £469. Um, the total cost of ownership for the monthly contracts comes to between 600 and £624-631, so if you don't think you're going to use your phone very much, it's probably a good idea to go SIM-free and get a pay-as-you-go SIM. Of course, there are far more um, monthly tariffs, depending on how much you want to use data and voice, um, and we've got a full table of all the tariffs on allaboutwindowsphone.com, so just go and search for Nokia 800 retail. I think this is quite competitively priced, um, given that this is actual launch pricing rather than you know a couple of months down the the line. Uh, this is going to get compared to things like the iPhone 4s and maybe the Samsung Galaxy 2. Uh, if these handsets have been out a while, like the Samsung Galaxy 2, you might be able to find a similar offer. But I think uh, you know, particularly the 26 pound pricing. Um, yes, it's on a 24 month contract. That's, you know, as you say, pretty competitive. I'm struggling to think of another to what was regarded, if you like, as a high-end smartphone that started like that. Um, as you said, the Simpre price, at the moment we've only got Carphone Warehouse offering that. That's because Nokia have chosen to go with these kind of launch retailers, and so it's not very readily available in the Simpre market. That should uh, change come January and would expect the prices to, to fall towards the £400 mark around then. I asked Nokia why they decided to do this, and it was basically around the fact that they wanted to ensure a good experience for customers. They want to, people to go into the shops and buy the handset, but actually have it set up for them with you know, the People Hub, their own details, contacts, all that kind of thing, rather than just sort of buying it through a, a usual retail experience or having it arrive by post. Um, I can see why they're, they're doing that. They want to concentrate their efforts, and they've made... You know, a great effort to get, train a lot of the retailers so that they can give these kind of introductory sessions and they've seeded a lot of demo units into these uh, high street shops for you know these companies we've been talking about um, however I'm sure there'll be a few power users disappointed that they can't buy their sim free device from their, their favourite retailer but it is on the way if you're looking for a good deal you know sometimes it's worth checking out other retailers such as uh, mobiles.co.uk they're actually associated with the car phone warehouse they're offering the orange uh, contract that you were talking about, the £26 a month one, but they're offering nine months of half price line rental and £20 instant cashback, which brings the total cost of ownership, kind of the base cost, down to £487. Uh, of course, I think most people listening to this will probably be upgrading, and there's various offers available from all the networks. It rather depends on what your current spend is but one that caught our eye was the one that orange is offering it's again on these um 24 month contracts on one of the animal orange contracts so uh, you can probably expect that to be things that are over 30 pounds a month they'll actually give you a free box free xbox 360 the full gigabyte version when you upgrade and that's i think you know pretty compelling offer that's about 150 pounds at retail so you know there's certainly a lot of competition out there for the various UK networks and I understand there's similar offers available in most of the launch countries as well but actually that getting a free Xbox that sounds like a very good offer um, so one other tip I just wanted to throw in as well is that if you want it, if you're on a very tight budget and you really want this device um, one thing that might be worth doing is keeping an eye out on eBay because there will be some people who have been offered this device as a free upgrade and who actually don't, for whatever reason, don't want it, and um, so you probably be able to get it at a much reduced price. Just all, all the what normal caveats about buying on eBay apply there. Absolutely. 
Yeah, the other thing to uh, watch out for is a lot of these deals in the, uh, around have got 250 megabytes of data included per month. Now, from from my experience, I'm kicking in about 350, 400 meg a month on, on light to medium usage. Uh, so uh, just keep an eye. Um, and, and this is unfortunate because there isn't a dating tracking application uh, built into Windows Phone handsets. There's one missing. So um, hopefully go, you know, check the online and the, the counters and everything uh, for, for what you do with your data steve yes yes also being launched to show we're not totally a, a nokia <laughs> fan site which we're definitely not this is a platform site all about windows phone is all about the os um just a, the htc titan has been available i think in the uk for a month or so now and it should have been here for review a week ago and it's not so i'm chasing the pr people but we will have a review of that up in the next week or so that will arrive i promise you so a review of the htc titan 4.7 inch display up on this site very shortly just to say that it's just um been announced uh, for four days time is being launched officially on at&t which is the largest uh, usa phone network uh, in america so that's going to november the 20th that's coming out so the titan really is um being launched in a big way maybe not as with as much marketing a hoo-ha as the Lumer 800 and nokia but i think the titan's going to do very well everybody's reviewed it so far so what a lovely screen it is i still have reservations about the big form factor but as you say wait for the review maybe i'll be one over so uh, th- there we go. Also, uh, AT&T carrying a number of Windows Phone devices. Um, they've uh, announced that the Focus and the Focus S from Samsung will have the internet tethering option available for those of you in America who buy the booster option on the contract. In other words, give them more money and you can use data from, from the phone to use it as a Wi-Fi hotspot for things like your laptops, things like your, your, your tablets and MP3 players uh, if you're using them separately as well. Yes, and just to say, talking of the uh, new handsets, I believe the Samsung Omnia W, which is the updated version of the Omnia 7, I think it's also the same as, make sure I get this the right way around, the uh, Samsung Focus S, um, I'm sure I'll get corrected if that's wrong, is now available in Europe and the UK through online retailers. I don't think it's been picked up by any of the big operators yet, but if you go to places like expanses.com, play.com, you should be able to uh, buy that now in Europe. So there we go. That's a whirl around the news, just some of the highlights. Obviously, we will have more news throughout the days and the hours and the minutes at www.allaboutwindowsphone.com. Our flow section uh, points out to news, links and things we found around the web, uh, not just stuff that we've written up on our editorial as well. Uh, I wanted to bring this one up now just for a little bit more uh, of discussion. It's our central tentpole section of the podcast now. Uh, and that's this. A lot of the pushback in the first year against Windows Phone has been, it's from Microsoft. And you still hear that nowadays. Even when you're showing this phone, you go, it's, it's lovely, it's wonderful, it's gorgeous. When you're showing like, the 800 Lumia, when you show something like even the HTC Trophy, like the interface, the UI, it's scrolling, it's lovely. And then you go, it's Microsoft. And, you know, I think a lot of people forget just how big and successful and strong Microsoft are. I mean, we were talking about this beforehand, just as we were deciding what to talk about in the podcast. Uh, and, and Rafe, I'll, I'll start with you. And David, just calm down. You'll be next. Uh, but, you know, Microsoft <laughs> know what they're doing. You know, Microsoft can handle stuff like this. And, and I want to bring this up because it's 10 years since the Xbox launched. And, you know, the Xbox is one of the favorite consoles in the world. Why can't Windows Phone be the same? Yeah, it's it's a good point. It's the example I think that's always brought up when talking about 
Microsoft getting into new markets. And part of the problem here, of course, is we're used to Microsoft being kind of the incumbent with the desktop OS and the office productivity suites and all those enterprise tools. And so, in one sense, it's in an unfamiliar position in the mobile, you know, where it is quite clearly behind, you know, third, fourth place, wherever you want to to place it. You know, it's the challenger rather than the incumbent. And that's why the comparison is made to something like the Xbox, because we go back 10 years, you know, Nintendo, uh, Sony, and I guess uh, even Sega to an extent were you know, in the console war, and Microsoft came, came in with basically nothing, and a lot of people laughed at them, and it certainly had early trouble. But you fast forward to today, and as you say, it's the best-selling console. It's got the biggest user base, obviously, these metrics, depending exactly what you measure. But I think most people would consider the Xbox 360 now to be the most successful console, and that's in terms of sort of revenue and also games sold and things like that. Uh, and, you know, Microsoft has done it. So the sort of theory is, can they do the same with Windows Phone? I mean, I would say that they are very different markets. Mobile is not the same as console. Um, they have different patterns in terms of the way hardware is sold. And obviously there's more players in mobile. You know, we talk about operators and manufacturers. Uh, but then, of course, all the software development that goes on. And there's a lot more third-party services sitting on it. But uh, it is interesting because ultimately it's you know the never write off microsoft phrase is i think very pertinent here and the thing they struggle with in mobile up until this point is perhaps not having the firm hardware partner you know they solve that in the console world by doing it themselves in the the mobile world it's they maybe could have taken that option but i'm not sure they necessarily have the expertise which is why the partnership with nokia and perhaps more importantly that nokia has gone all in with windows phone it's not sort of a half commitment like you've got from htc or partial commitments as you have from lg or samsung or some of the other manufacturers Uh, and i think the other thing that's worth bringing up while we're talking about xbox here is just saying the sort of new dashboard for xbox is now imminent it should be coming out any moment now And the reason that's interesting, and I should say the dashboard is kind of the screen you see when you start the console, uh, because it's not just about playing games, you know, it's music, video, all kinds of content as well. Um, And there's some downloadable games in the arcade section. Um, And we already know there's a time between Windows Phone and uh, Xbox in terms of Xbox Live on the phone. And sometimes that's quite tightly integrated. Some of the games we talked about, Kinetimals, in an earlier podcast, but also in terms of gamer points and uh, profiles and things like that. Uh, but actually this new dashboard is going to have a metro-like UI so there's going to be a very obvious visual tie between the two as well and it's also getting more social features so it sort of speaks to the power of being able to tie your products together and I think we already see that on the phone with kind of the office hub um, and then things like SkyDrive and to a certain extent Zoom fits in with that although I think that's perhaps a less established piece Um, and so that sense of tying and integration between products, I think, could be quite an accelerative effect on, you know, so it won't necessarily take the 10 years it took Xbox to, to come dominant. Uh, whether um, Windows Phone will go right to top, I don't think it'll ever be like that in mobile. I've said before, I don't think there'll be a monoculture of one platform. But I would suggest that it perhaps gives Windows Phone more of a leg up than people might perhaps realise. So there we go. We have a point from Raven in the best tradition of uh, American exploitative television. David, counterpoint. Okay, well, 
I am still trying to decide about Microsoft. Um, <laughs> I mean, we we talk about the Xbox effect, and and I don't know. I'm still trying to work out whether that the Xbox is something that Microsoft got lucky with because they got the right people in the right room at the right time, or if it is the sign of a new refreshed resurgent Microsoft. I mean, but but to counter that, I still have a memory of Steve Barmer talking on the BBC Click program at CES, trying to trying to demonstrate that Windows Vista was a great tablet operating system. So, nah, there we go. And, and the thing is, Microsoft is Windows. And we were arguing about this before the podcast. Um, I, I contest that Windows is not a great operating system. It's not easy to use for the average user. The, and, and I think the thing that a lot of people mistake is that, and get mixed up between, is that it's between of what we're used to is perceived as being what's okay. And there are, there's lots of things with Windows which I would, f- for non-technical, for the non-technical person on the street, I cringe at the idea of them being given a Windows system to use because there's so many things that can go wrong. That there's lots of security flaws, um, and like if something goes wrong, something gets corrupted, and and you know enough to Google for the solution oh, well, you have to fix this registry value. And, and at that point, the average home user is going to be completely lost. It's an interesting point you make there because I think people have very strong feelings on Windows and Microsoft, I'll put it that way. Uh, but I would be wary of saying Windows Phone will be the same as Windows. Um, I think a lot of Windows issues that people talk about come from the legacy it has. I think that's less prevalent on Windows Phone. And for all the you know the problems that Windows have, I think it's important to recognise just how dominant it has become. Um, now, it may not always be the best solution for everybody, uh, but I think the fact that it has become dominant in the marketplace, you know, I'm sure there are people talking about some of the business practices, uh, particularly in the past. You know, we had the whole Department of Justice hearing and all of that back at sort of a decade ago. I think personally, Microsoft has changed. Um, like all businesses, it's still cutthroat in its uh, business practices but that's what the competitive business world is about but you know you talk about windows Vista. i'm sure people will throw windows 7 against that uh, um, what it says to me is that microsoft is capable of building software that sells and that perhaps is the most important factor here and you now i come back to the xbox comparison because it is kind of the first iteration you to learn from it and that's almost like the first version of windows and arguably a bit of manga as well you start building up a a, a lot of fan base and maybe the nokia coming into the windows film world is kind of the equivalent to getting some of the exclusives for xbox in gaming terms um, and where it might really take off is in sort of the next version of the operating system you know that's talked about as the times with windows 8 and all of that so I mean, I understand that there is hesitancy about Microsoft in general sometimes, but I have, to be honest, I, I don't have a lot of time for that kind of view unless there's something concrete people can put forward, uh, because clearly there are a lot of people happily using Microsoft products out there, and the average consumer, that sort of the, the fabled person we talk about, but also developers using the tools, and it has built up the single most successful software ecosystem ever, uh, and that's a pretty impressive achievement. And if they can replicate that in mobile, I think, you know, there is a chance that it could become very big indeed. I think that's 
the one thing I'll just pick up on what you said there, there's a lot of people happily using Windows. I don't think anyone really happily uses Windows. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think the only people who are happy with using Windows are, are the geeks who pride themselves on using registry cleaners and disk defragmenters every, every other week and to, to keep their system going. Um, but, but yes, I mean, a, a lot of this has been around the other things that Microsoft makes, and, and we should get back to Windows Phone. And I agree, I agree that Windows Phone itself is a good... For its age, for its age, it is a good smartphone system. Well, it's only well, actually, in my view, I'd say it's only just a smartphone system. But it, it's still, <laughs> it's young. It needs it needs a lot of holes filling. But um, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> um, I agree. Um, it can stand. Well, the thing is, it would be good if it could stand on its own. And this is one of the reservations I have about Windows Phone is that it is so tied into having to use a Windows desktop and I think that is a mistake. See, and I, I don't agree with that. There is Mac software available and you might need to use it uh, once but actually even that is debatable. You can do pretty much everything on the phone. The one exception is when you're sideloading content and if you've got to sideload content well yes, you're going to have to use a PC. Okay, well, case, case in point last night, I had a bunch of tests for, because uh, I'm doing a long-term review of a HTC Mozart, and I'd been te- out, out and about testing the camera. I wanted to, uh, and for everyone at home, for full disclosure, I'm using a Linux desktop, um, and I wanted to get my photos across onto it, and I didn't have, and I was busy doing something, so I didn't have time to boot into Windows and drag the photos off, so I thought, I know. I, I use Dropbox. I'll upload them on Dropbox. But I couldn't even select multiple files on Dropbox. I had to upload one photo at a time. That, so, now, let's be fair, David. That Dropbox was a third-party client, wasn't it? That wasn't a Microsoft client. And I could point out you can actually but, activate the SkyDrive functionality in the camera so it'll automatically upload into SkyDrive every picture you take. Okay, I'll, I'll pick you both up on there. First of all, I, I don't want to be doing that in the field because the battery life in Windows Phone is bad enough already. And if I'm like zap, zapping up every photo to the cloud, that would, that would be bad. And, and secondly, it was a third-party application, but it was using the Mango file photo selector. So, so when it was actually selecting photos, that's part of the base operating system. And I would come back and say you just set it to only upload when there's a, a Wi-Fi connection present, which is one of the options, or you just s- turn it off and you upload them uh, later on, in which case you can do, do multiple file uploads. I mean, I do understand that um, it doesn't always work the way people want it to, but I think you can say the same about any of the smartphone platforms. So just because it doesn't work the way uh, you expect to, and I think this is particularly a, a problem for power users, and we're going to get this a lot from people coming across from Symbian, you know, because they're used to doing one in a particular way. It's not. It's not really fair to say it doesn't do it. Um, you know, <laughs> to borrow a phrase, you're not doing it properly, or you're not holding <laughs> it properly. Um, that is one of the curse of modern smartphones, I'm afraid to say. And there are tie-ins on every single platform. I think Symbian users may have been a bit spoilt in the sort of standalone nature of the devices. But you look at uh, Android and its time with Google services, and the same obviously applies to the iPhone and BlackBerry as well. With some of the BlackBerry services and actually I think Windows Phone is one of the more open ones in terms of the services you can use on it in terms of uploading your photos you know Flickr, Picasso, there's third party applications for that. Yes there are the Microsoft servers and yes you need a live ID but integrating things like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn right into the People Hub is a step beyond what any of the other platforms done so I think it's you know it's 
there is a knee-jerk sense of uh, it's Microsoft wall garden, but I think that's a little unfair when you actually look at the details of it. I think the wall garden is a lot more, uh, I think it has a lot more holes in it than uh, the wall gardens on other platforms. That, I think that journey from uh, doing it wrong to doing it right is fortunately one we can all take together on this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, how lovely. Anyway, uh, what I found interesting was that the initial d- debate point, which is, is Microsoft big enough to make this a success? Everybody seems to agree with. It's just the, the implementation. And as David points out there, we will follow that up uh, as we're going through. And obviously, this is a fertile subject. Your comments are welcome back on the website. We are nearly at time. So uh, just before we do that, let's go for our application of the week. David, hit the music. Da, 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 da. Ah, there we go. No points there for the uh, Linux composition. Right then, uh, our application of the week. What have the team been using? What have they found interesting? Not necessarily important. doesn't have to be new either. It might be something that's been lurking in the depths and they've suddenly realised it's a really neat idea. Steve, what have you got for me? Well, I wish I could say I had a jingle insertion application that created jingles from putting in podcasts that were a lot more interesting than da-da-da-da-da-da, but um, that would... Sorry, David. Um, but <laughs> I know I have got games. 50,000 apps by, by the end of the year. There's got to be space for one. When you do, you get a free review. Well, I've got a rant about numbers of apps, but um, which is maybe new to the Windows phone world, but we'll save that for the next podcast. Um, yes, application of the week. I have a game for you, which, a game which I've been involving you in, you in um, Chess by Post. As it sounds, it's like the old version when you used to play chess by post. You'd, you'd, you'd seal off a move, pop, pop it in an envelope, send it off to Australia. Two weeks later, he'd get it. He'd see your move, make his move on his own copy of the board and send your reply back and so forth. It happens a lot faster in the Internet age. And the chess by post is the same thing on Windows Phone. Um, basically, yes, you're playing chess against someone else across the Internet, but you don't have to wait for them to take do their move. They're having living their life. You're living your life. And every once in a while, a little message pops up at the top of the screen on your Windows phone on the start screen. Or on the live tile, a little number pops up, say, one, a one, one game requiring a, a move. I guess if you had multiple games on the game, you could have one, two, three, a different number appearing there. So you tap on that and the game, game kicks back into action. There's your board and you make your next move. And it's, it, it's, it's fun and it's exciting at the same time as it's agonising because there's a big problem. Um, and it's a picky problem, but let's say, like I did in the game with Mr. Ewan Spence, I, I made a rather fatal and hasty move with my bishop and thought, oh dear, what have I done? I'd already tapped submit. There was no way, there's no undo button. There's no way to retrieve a move. Even though Ewan won't actually make, look at his board and uh, to respond to the, the move for another three hours, there's still no way I can retrieve my mistake. And I've been paying for it ever since in the game. <laughs> no, no. To, to be fair, there is the touch rule in chess in real chess when you touch a piece that's the one you have to move you know so you have to be incredibly sure you know yeah. so so i would say that that's very much like chess but the simple fact that you declined a really easy indian defense i mean ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it will take another week or so to play out but uh we'll keep you in touch with that one um also chess by mills chess by post is available in two versions um there's an ad supported free version and the full price version um and it's really full price in other words basically removes the adverts but there's no extra functionality all the functionality is also in the free one i think that's a smart choice by the by the developer and i would be interested to see what the breakdown of income is after six months or so uh david let's take you what do you have uh, in the application of the week i've got another website from google um, just like last time uh, there's a pattern emerging here um yeah this is for google plus which is google's attempt at getting into the social network world um because they haven't re- 
released an API yet. There are no third-party applications. However, that doesn't stop us. Um, there is a HTML5 mobile website, which you, you, can, you could bookmark in Internet Explorer and pin as a tile to your start screen. Um, however you will just get a thumbnail of a website and you won't get a pretty, pretty icon. Um, so what we have here is the um, Google Plus from Jacob Bias. Uh, you can search for that in the marketplace. Um, he has made basically an Internet Explorer instance, which brings up Google Plus, and it just has some extra manga-like um, icons at the bottom of the screen for notifications, your new stream, and to create a new post. So um, until there is a third-party application for Google+, this is probably the, the nicest way to do it on your Windows Phone device. And you get a full screen. It's HTML5 compliant, so it's going to look roughly like what it would like if Google got one round anyway. Uh, so congratulations. I love these little apps like this, David, the ones where people have just been tinkering in, and it's something useful, and it'll be useful for maybe mm. 10 or 15% of the, of the people who use the phone. That's what makes a strong ecosystem, not just the big titles, but people who are going to tinker and can publish them and can get up stuff like this. Uh, so congratulations uh, all the way around, especially to Jacob for that one as well. Uh, I've had Urban Dictionary uh, this week. Uh, this is, um, shall we say, it's a light-hearted application, it would be fair to say, uh, from, from a company called Social Ebola. Uh, and it basically gives you um, a definition of a weird slang word uh that you might want to incorporate into your language. So, for example, uh, today's term has a lifetime. You get a different word every day. Is void the warranty? The definition to perform an activity in an extreme fashion. Usage: You're hitting the bars tonight. Let's void the warranty. Um, obviously, um, me being uh, in my late thirties, this is a very useful thing when I'm hanging out with the kids at the conferences. Um, for example, does anybody know what YBWM means, Steve? <laughs> no, exactly. No, David? Um, no, no I'm trying. Your motorboat? No, it means you belong with me. As in, when you're trying to pick up a young teenage boy or girl at a bar, you just go YBWM and you're in. That's slightly creepy, to be honest. It is, yes. It is quite an interesting application. Uh, Rafe, let's move on from that quite quickly then. Tell me what you've got this week. Uh, returning to a much more boring world, um, I've been in and out of London on a regular basis. And so one of the applications I've been enjoying using is something called London Travel. And it's sort of a utility application that's got pretty much everything you uh, might want for using public transport when you're in London. So there's the kind of typical route planner and the tube maps. But there's also departure boards for stations so you can see uh, when trains are arriving. That's particularly useful uh, later in the evening where the trains and the tubes get less frequent. But there's also bus routes um, and there's a nearby functionality where you can see sort of where your nearest bus stops, tube stations, uh, train stations are. And that's quite useful if you're in an unfamiliar part of town. Um, there's live tile functionality so you can pin any of these kind of functions to your start screen for quick access and uh, a nice little extra is it's got uh, an oyster card functionality for those that don't know this is kind of a, a card you just swipe over turnstiles when you're getting in and out the tube or on and off a bus kind of that automatically deducts deducts payment from a prepay card and it's got a, a balance for your oyster card so you can keep track of how much money you've got on your oyster card so if you're doing public uh, transport in london i thoroughly recommend london travel it's still, it actually reminds me of an application that was done at one of the uh, hack days uh, over the year, I think last year, in which they had an application where you pressed a button and five seconds later your phone emitted exactly the same beep 
noise as an Oyster card reader. So if you timed it right, you could walk onto a bus, wave your phone over the Oyster card reader, the driver would hear beep and let you on the bus for nothing. But we couldn't possibly condone that kind of application. Exactly. That's why we're not giving out the name of the URL of the application. We'll go with London Transport instead. Uh, right. All of those applications you will find uh, in the marketplace. You'll find them in the about Windows Phone app directory. You can leave your comments back on our website. Uh, only remains for me to say thank you all out there for listening to the show. Please let us know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Both of those are going to be important to us. Uh, it also remains for me to thank our guests, David Gilson. Thank you, Sue. Um, see you next week, everyone. Most useful uh, Linux hieroglyphic you can think of, David? Hieroglyphic? Um, yep. Excel minus minus clipboard. Okay, I have no idea either. Uh, also, thank you to Steve Litchfield. Goodbye from me. Most useful tip for taking pictures on a camera? <laughs> Wait till the sun comes out. <laughs> and I'm in Scotland, so that'll be February. Uh, thanks to Rafe Blanford. Thanks, everybody. Uh, it's the most sensible place to buy a mobile phone? Uh... Depends who you are. If you're you? If you're me, uh, most sensible is buy a SIM for your handset. There we go. And uh, thank you from me. Uh, you're in Spence. Somebody ask me a question. Uh, what's the best place to go and visit in Edinburgh? Uh, probably the Jolly Judge, which is a pub at the top of the Royal Mile, which has uh, ale on tap and free Wi-Fi. There you go. The information you get from the All About Windows Phone podcast can't possibly be matched or beaten anywhere else. So, there you go, www.allaboutwindowsphone.com. I'm Ian Spence, Rafe, David, Steve, all you get there listening. Catch you next week. Draw for now.